Welcome to the Financial Coconut Podcast Network, the leading personal finance podcast network in Singapore. I'm your host, Reggie, aka Your Chief Financial Coconut. And every Friday, you'll be joined by Max, Rakesh, Anthony, and some of our friends who are the leading voices in the investment space today as they geek out on some of the most interesting companies out there in the stock market. Once again, if you want to be super geeky and purely investment focused, do follow our other podcast feed, TFC Investors Network. All you'll need to do is to search on your favourite podcast platform, TFC Investors Network. For now, let's geek out. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Coconuts. Welcome back to another episode of Stock Geek Out. Uh, today, again, we have Tim Phillips, as we all know, you know, because he's been on our show many times. Thank you very much for your time. Um, but he, he's the content lead and, and investment lead at Prosperous, um, CGICMB. And you know, he's here today to talk to us about Etsy, which, I mean, I guess most of our audience might not be that familiar with, uh, unless you've been looking for jewelry online, you know. So um, that that's probably, it. that's my impression at least. Um, welcome, team. Tim. Yeah. Th- thanks for the time. How, how are things? What, what's Etsy about? <laughs> good, to, good to be back. Um, yeah, well, Etsy is 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 actually, I guess, a, a company that you might not be so familiar with if you're based in Singapore, Asia. I don't think it has yeah. much, it doesn't have a massive presence here. Um, but basically, it's an online uh, shopping platform that is a built around its core brand of Etsy, um, but is actually becoming more of a stable of brands. And what it does mm-hmm. is cater to artisan sellers and buyers um, so you can kind of think of it as an anti-amazon in the sense that you can not find items that you'd find on etsy anywhere else right so if you want something specially made for somebody's birthday or you want a piece of interesting decor for your living room or maybe you want um you know a cool piece of jewelry or you want a, a special like tailor-made uh, piece of clothing you can get it on etsy right um and yep. so there are um, millions of sellers uh and there are obviously there are lots of buyers as well habitual habitual buyers repeat buyers that go back and like the like the experience that they have with etsy um and then obviously purchase uh from these uh from 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 the site so etsy is really just mm. marketplace it's a it's yep it doesn't have a lot of overheads uh, in terms of fulfillment like an Amazon would. Um, you know, and Etsy actually did a survey last year that looked at buyers on its platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and it said that around 87% of buyers said that Etsy has items I can't find anywhere else, right? So I think that really speaks okay. to its um, value proposition for uh, for buyers um, out there. So, so I guess it, it's kind of a marketplace for like, you know, customized or customizable, um, you know, individualized, non-commoditized goods, right? Um, unlike buying toilet paper on Amazon, right? Um, but, and so, but then, you know, that, that just kind of makes it sound a bit more like the, the OEB, right? Yeah. 
yeah. in a sense, where where you have private sellers coming on and, and private buyers, and and Etsy is is the market marketplace for for that. Yeah, and does that I, sound about right? I guess yeah, that's true. I guess the way that they packaged it with Etsy though is that they built a really good um, sort of brand, and they've also allowed sellers to kind of make you know sort of. Uh, weave their own narrative for their own brands, mm-hmm. kind of like Shopify. You know how Shopify yep. sort of gave merchants power to tell you know consumers directly about their brand, and so similarly, sellers on Etsy's platform, there are lots of functions that help them sell and tell the story of their brand to to potential buyers. Um, there's obviously a lot of tech that's used to match buyers and sellers to mm-hmm. in items that they're interested in, or for sellers to find buyers that are related to them. Um, yep. So I think it's maybe more a sign of the times in this environment of consumerism and not wanting everything to be completely uh, generic and the same as yep. what as what you would find. Yeah, on- look, we 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 all we all think we are special, right? Yeah. So- <laughs> you want something special? You don't want to have the same thing. Uh, you know, you don't want to be giving the same thing to someone that someone else has gotten off Amazon for a birthday or for a special occasion and be like, yeah, that's, that, 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 that's not a good moment. I pretty much gifted some, somebody the same thing as someone else. Right. So (laughs) it's more, it's more the, the value proposition of this is special. This is unique. Um, this has been made specifically for me, uh, or has been made specifically for someone I'm, you know, buying for. And so I think it serves that purpose, uh, really well. And it's, it gives more power, I think, to the the sellers, um, you know, on the platform. I think Amazon has all the power, right? Amazon kind of dictates yep. how uh, what they're going to take from them. You know, they can they can compete with their own in-house brands, which they do a lot on Amazon's uh, Amazon's marketplace. So, I mean, Amazon's no doubt no doubt an e-commerce giant behemoth, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it doesn't really compete with Amazon in that space, which is yep. Um, which is why it's it, it's kind of thrived, I think, in in the way it's uh, in the way it's grown. Yeah, it's, it sounds about right. You know, so so it's it's not Amazon where where they they kind of control everything, right? And 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 kind of sell sell everybody the same things. Where it's where you can think of it as McDonald's, right? Consistency yeah. is, is the key there. Um, yeah. and and it's not really eBay because you have the ability to, to craft your, your own story and, and to build your brand in that sense uh, more yeah. than just being an individual seller you know even if you're an SMB or, or an individual seller on Etsy and it's not really Shopify as well because you know yeah. while it gives you the tools like Shopify does you know it Etsy is a platform where you can search and you know actually reach the, the individual sellers right where Shopify you, you it, it's built by Shopify, but you, you can't search Shopify to, to find individual merchants or to find the exact product that you want. Yeah. So so it, it seems to sit in this nice intersection of, of all these, you know, um, comparators, right, that, that we can think of. Um, at, but I think at the same time, you know, this is a space that all these um, competitors, maybe not Amazon, but you know all, all these other competitors want to get into, right? So, so Shopify will want to build out their own ecosystem and then make things searchable. You know, yeah. okay, eBay probably not so much because they're, yeah. they're half dead now. But you, you can see marketplaces <laughs> like like Fiverr and all that trying to expand their their services and yeah. you know build build out further services for sellers, right? Um, to yeah. to for their tax reporting and then all of that. So now mm. maybe I think Etsy kind of the niche now that, that everybody wants to, to come into so seems like a very competitive space but maybe they have the the first mover advantage right I, I don't really know so so what's the, the story what's the you know um, blue sky 
um that that Etsy yeah. really wants to reach out for. Yeah, well, I think I, I I guess this the first point to make is that its model is very asset light, right? So stuff mm-hmm. like Amazon, and and now even Shopify. I think this is one of the big reasons why um there there are lots of bearish cases on Shopify is the fact that they're trying to outspend Amazon and in terms yep. of logistics or not out not trying to outspend, but they're really going to have no chance of competing against Amazon when they're tr- if they're trying to build out logistics and fulfillment networks, right? Because the amount of capital and capex that's required is just humongous. So in terms of mm-hmm. Shopify's profitability and like when it's going to be profitable, it gets stretched out and out and out and out, obviously, because yep. they're having to invest. Whereas with a platform only or like platform focused company like Etsy, Basically, they don't deal with any shipping or fulfillment. They leave it to the seller and the buyer to sort out. They're just basically there as the intermediary for the platform uh, to serve. And, you know, they take their fee, they cut, right? So they're not involved in any logistics. They're not involved in the massive capex that is required for a logistics network to function uh, smoothly. And so for that reason, you know, they've been operating cash flow positive and free cash flow positive for a number of years um, as well. Well, it's actually profitable. You know, they actually make a they make a, a a profit in terms of net income, which is amazing for for most uh, people investing in tech nowadays. <laughs> and I consider yeah, that, that that that's kind of the, the key now, right? Everybody just yeah. looks for free cash flow, um, and, and hopefully profits. Yeah, and there there is actually profits. You know, I think last year they made a, a, a profit, a net income of like around ninety million. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. actually a profitable business. Um, and there's a massive TAM, right? I mean, they estimate themselves, you know, obviously take it with a grain of salt, a pinch of yep. salt with with Etsy's management, but they res- reckon the total addressable market is around $466 billion. Um, mm-hmm. and Etsy's GMS, which is the gross merchandise sales in uh, 2021, only made up around 3%, right, of that total number. Yep. And so even some independent experts looking at artisanal markets, I mean, they've Put the total addressable market globally in, in between like 400 to 550. So I mean, Etsy's not mm-hmm. far off, I guess. Um, so it's a big market. I think there is definitely more of a of a shift towards having a unique, uh, you know, a unique, a unique good or a unique artisanal made good for, uh, mm-hmm. for consumers out there. Um, and I think one of the big stories for them is that they're actually looking at expanding their international presence meaningfully. Obviously, they mm-hmm. started in the U.S. Um, it's been operating since 2005. Uh, you know, back in sort of 2015, they went public in 2015. Uh, back in 2015, you know, just under 30% of their GMS, so gross merchandise sales, as I mentioned before, is mm-hmm. outside uh, the U.S., right? It was international. Um, you know, in its latest quarter, that was up to 43%, right? So I think they're focusing on core geographies. You know, they're, they're looking at the U.S., obviously, the home market, the U.K., Germany, uh, Canada, Australia, France, uh, and India. So there are seven mm. core geographies that they're looking at. But in terms of the actual user base, sellers and buyers, I mean, it's global, right? You can have, there's an Etsy Singapore. It's just probably not very well known, but you can go to Etsy Singapore yep. and see what Singapore like sellers are selling and uh you can you can go buy stuff from there and you can buy things if you want uh on etsy as a singapore buyer right so it's nothing stopping you as a consumer going there and buying it um and mm-hmm. nothing, nothing stopping you as a seller to go to go and sell either so i think what it gives is 
it gives you in this age of the internet and connectivity and obviously yep. global commerce, it gives you the ability to sell globally, right? No matter what you're making, you can do it. Obviously, you have to figure out the shipping and and all that other stuff. Yeah, you, I, I was going to say that, right? Like yeah. there, there is a reason yeah. why Amazon and, and Shopify go yeah. go into logistics. You know, it's yeah. it's meant to to kind of cover that customer journey all the way to the end. Exactly. You know, and and I guess being a pure marketplace okay, kind of means that somebody else has to take that risk, right? Whether it's, yeah. it's the seller and you know, getting FedEx or UPS, which might not be the most cost efficient or, or it's yeah. a buyer just taking a risk of non-delivery. Yeah. So I think that there is that, I think, risk in terms of the user experience um, <laughs> that, that comes with it. But I think in terms of the actual platform itself, um, it's on the whole quite well, you know, positively received. Um, yep. In terms of the business and where it sees the you know growth opportunity, obviously the marketplace revenue makes up the bulk of its uh, of sales. So the marketplace, mm-hmm. in terms of them taking a cut of each transaction, I think there's a small fee for listing items as well. Um, okay. They used to take a 5% cut of each transaction, um, and they mm-hmm. raised that to 6.5% as of April this year. And so there was a bit of a backlash from the sellers in uh, yep. it, it, on that front and saying like, oh, you know, you're taking an extra um, 1.5%, which is a pretty big percentage out of 5%, right, for yeah. for each transaction. Did, did, did that show up in the financials? So, so did they you know claim a lower number of sellers? That, yeah. that sort of Actually, I mean, obviously, GMS and and their take rate has gone up after that. Mm-hmm. Cause it was it was um, implemented like April 11th, so just after uh, the end of the first quarter. So actually, second quarter earnings were pretty came in pretty positive in terms of in terms of uh, in terms of revenue growth and also take rate. The take rate went up, um, which okay. is so take rate is the percentage of uh, sorry, it's the revenue divided by the GMS right times times yep. just how much of each dollar that they're selling on the platform are they able to are they able to take for themselves um and so their take rate is really impressive i think it's something around 19 i think the latest quarter is at 19.3 percent which is really really good because if you think about that's really high yeah if you think about something like a, a shopee uh you know under c their their take rate in 2021 was around eight percent or 8.3 yep. something like that so you're talking about over double um what shopee was doing uh you know in 2021 and so i think they've really grown that because i about about six when they went public their take rate was around uh 10 11 right so it's nearly doubled over the past six uh six years so it's an impressive growth opportunity i think what they've done is they've been able to grow um their top top line but also the operating margins also improved significantly right so yeah sorry just just coming back to that take rate right i, I mean this kind of kind of um seems to be you know the, the opposite of, of pretty much what all marketplaces or, or what or all e-commerce does where, where you subsidize the take rate in a sense uh, as you yeah. grow your market share you know you, you try to corner the market and and then you start increasing the take rate right so yeah. you know but at least from the sounds of it Etsy doesn't seem to be that far along its journey yet yeah so you know is is there a strategic reason for this is it because they're they're relatively comfortable in their niche or is it just well i know the market wants free cash flow i'm going to show it to them by hook or by crook therefore i'm going to increase my take rate um, yeah. and then we'll see what happens after that you know <laughs> at, at the expense of growth right yeah well i think i mean yeah you're 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 right um in terms of in terms of showing the market you know what they want to see obviously it, 
this point in time, the market wants to see cash flow and profits and pricing power, especially in the inflationary environment. So I think they announced this price hike at the beginning of this year or the end of last year, and it was becoming pretty obvious that inflation was uh, you know, picking up. Um, so I think showing the market that they did have this pricing power was was a big help. Um, you know, okay. I strike. It was like 20,000 sellers, but as a percentage of 20,000 sellers out of like 7.4 million sellers. So it's a pretty tiny percentage that went on strike in terms of the uh, price hike, right? Yeah. So I think the value that the platform gives both buyers, uh, both sellers and then also buyers as well. For sellers, I don't think there's um, there's other viable competition right now for them mm-hmm. uh, in terms of in terms of um, you know another viable alternative where they can defect to. I mean, Amazon actually has a their own marketplace called Amazon Handmade, but oh, okay, um, yeah, but they charge like a fifteen percent flat fee for every transaction. So that's versus six point five and a half. Six, yeah, six point five. And the amount of you know buyers on the platform for um, Etsy is huge, and and Amazon doesn't mm-hmm. break down the, the amount of buyers and, and sellers on that handmade niche, um, yeah. but it's really not even on the radar in terms of um, in terms of Etsy's competitors. So it, it doesn't seem yeah. like the efforts being put into it by Amazon to actually grow that business, um, and so Etsy's really kind of had that space uh, to itself uh, for the for the past sort of you know five, six years at least since they went public. Um, and so, you know, Sounds about right. <laughs> I think the growth opportunities might come from Etsy ads, which is the services mm-hmm. part. So you remember, you know, I just mentioned marketplace revenue makes up 75% of the top yeah. line of the revenue. Um, the services revenue is actually a big part of that is Etsy ads, which mm-hmm. is a service that Etsy flogs basically to sellers to help them sell more efficiently, you know, to yep. buyers out there. So they can either promote on Etsy itself within its ecosystem, like on the homepage or on whatever, or try and target um, buyers more effectively, or they mm-hmm. can also um, buy offsite ads, performance ads via Etsy. And so Etsy will go out and help them uh, buy performance oh, okay. on other platforms, external platforms like Google, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, like that kind of thing where yeah. you can get in front of relevant buyers. Wow, yeah. has that actually been growing? Like, I think that the first part about you know Etsy, you know, ads on Etsy, that that kind yeah. of makes sense, right? And and yeah. in, in essence, it becomes a, a race to the bottom where, you know, yeah. especially if the ads are effective, you kind of have to buy ads just just to get listed, not yeah. just to get displayed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it has been. You know, I mean, it's been growing. I think the last quarter it grew at around ten percent services, so it was in line right. with average. Um, with his, with the revenue overall top line growth, mm. um, but over the past few sort of past few years, it's, it's definitely taken up more of a percentage of overall um, overall revenue. So it's it's definitely growing. It's definitely growing. And and the great thing about the ads business or the Etsy ads business is that it's you know operating margin accretive, right? It doesn't really yeah. cost much for them to do, um, and they're able to to sell you know incrementally at, at like a massive. Um, massive sort of boost to, to margins and so their operating margins have been pretty impressive over the past uh, sort of five six years i think it's they had an operating margin around five percent in 2016 and, and last year that mm-hmm. to about 21 percent 21.6 percent so more than quadrupled in five years um so obviously the pandemic 
they had a massive boost. Yep. That's now starting to wear off. Obviously, there's no surprise there. But they've guided pretty well on the fact that that is that is slowing down. Um, but okay. they've seen some stabilization in terms of uh, repeat buyers, habitual buyers. So a repeat buyer is someone who's bought on Etsy at least once in the past 12 months. Um, okay. A habitual buyer is someone who's bought on Etsy like six times or more in the past uh, mm-hmm. past 12 months. And so those numbers have started to stabilize. They got a massive boost during the pandemic as everyone was obviously staying at home and thinking about like what to buy. And, and, and like there was a massive boost for their pandemic at uh, the masks, like their mass production, yep. artisanal masks. But since then, <laughs> since then that's great, right? mass. obviously, yeah. <laughs> but their non-mass production as well has done has done really well, right? Non-mass sort of GMS is also uh, grown at, you know, massive, uh, massive rates. So mm-hmm. they're, but I think one of their key, I, I guess, okay, I mean, at first, I, I guess rewind to, to the growth for the pandemic, right? I mean, GMS yeah. was up basically 150% from 2019 to last year, end of last year. So in terms of full year um, and re- active habitual repeat buyers, you know, in terms of a three-year growth basis, it was up like a hundred, uh, like ranging from 106 to 248% on the different mm-hmm. buyer fronts on a three-year basis, right? From Q2 uh, 2019 to the latest quarter in 2022. So I think okay. there's obviously been a massive boost yeah, uh, going to be no surprise that that's going to be fading, but they have been able to purchase, or they did purchase rather during during the pandemic. They made two big uh, acquisitions. One was mm-hmm. uh, a one point six billion dollar deal for Depop, which is a um, resale uh, secondhand clothing resale site. So basically, okay. it allows. You know how the clothing industry is super polluted, polluting rather, and you know fast fashion is not good for the planet, yep. obviously. So I think there's definitely a bit more of this conscious consumerism going on. Uh, so a mm-hmm. lot of younger people, at least in in Europe and the US, are thinking about how they buy clothing, whether they buy it, uh, you know, whether they're into fast fashion and buying from Zara and H&M and you know other fast fashion brands, or they yep. want to help the environment? Are they seeing there be more value in buying secondhand clothing? Um, and so resale clothing business is huge, right? So Depop is mm-hmm. one of the biggest, uh, it's based in the UK um, and it's big with, I think 90% of their user base is under like 24 or something. So it's, wow. it's kind of focusing. No, no wonder we haven't heard of it. Oh, yeah. I had heard of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I think many people would have heard. Um, and it's focused more on the, you know, the younger demographic uh, whereas Elo Seven, which is mm-hmm. uh, a, it's basically the Etsy of Brazil. They purchased that for about two hundred and seventeen million. So that was a relatively, I mean, like relatively smaller acquisition versus Depop, which is at one point six billion. Um, but the good thing about uh, with with those acquisitions, they actually use cash, right? I mean, they didn't have to dilute shareholders with with raising equity, uh, you know, issuing equity and issuing shares or paying with shares. So I think the fact that they have the cash and the free cash flow to be able to, to be able to actually um, sort of make acquisitions uh, kind of speaks to management and the discipline that they that they have. So those two mm-hmm. those two brands are, to be honest, underperforming, right? So I think when yep. they closed the deal last year and at the end of uh, June two thousand twenty one, around June July, they closed both deals. Um, mm-hmm. So. 
comps will only start showing up, I think, in you know Q3 here in um, in the latest in the quarter that we're in right now. So it'll be interesting to see what the numbers look like. But a lot of a lot of the analysis uh, on earnings has been on margins, right? And I think consolidated EBITDA yep. margins have uh, shrunk with these two uh, these two brands. So this is the, what they're whole their whole idea or what they want to do etsy is build a house of brands which is but sorry how, how does that work right because if you're a marketplace you, you're kind of by definition neutral you yeah know, you, the brands are the sellers on your platform yeah so I think, I think know, it's more like a house of marketplace brands <laughs> rather, okay. than, rather than a house of um you know, seller brands i'd say so i think i think ah, okay. that's like depop is kind of a marketplace as well and Elo Seven, which is brands itself as I mean, or has been given the moniker Etsy of Brazil, kind of is self self explanatory in that sense, right? I so, so, so these are all marketplaces where I guess, um, in in the case of Depop, yeah. you 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 trade, you know, you, sorry, you you deal you as a marketplace for clothing, for clothing, in essence, right? And and Elo Seven would be a marketplace, you know, that that's focused. Right. That that's kind of like Etsy, Etsy in terms of products, but focuses specifically in in oh, Brazil. Brazil, yeah, right. And it's kind of a way for them to to expand their geographical reach rather than setting up a, a new entity in Brazil and and trying to gain market share from Elo Seven. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, you 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 uh you put it perfectly. And they also have one more which they had purchased uh, a few years ago in two thousand eighteen or nineteen called uh, Reverb, which sells second. Mm-hmm musical instruments so that's a okay that's one that they've uh you know that's a niche i guess it's a niche marketplace yep. <laughs> i think they have a they have a house of niche marketplace brands maybe that's a better way of uh, putting it um yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know i mean to me you know you, it just seems very plausible to, to put all of these on the same marketplace in a sense yeah right? like yeah. like you can fold reverb or depop and and their items into your main etsy platform you know, and another new category and and that should yeah. be it, right? Yeah. You know, so so th- this That's seems true. slightly odd. Um, may- maybe there's some value attached to the brand name, which they want to retain instead of you know subsuming it globally under Etsy. But yeah, I mean, this just seems as if they're they're buying up smaller marketplaces to whether to to bolt on niches in in terms of products or or yeah. to expand their geographical scope. I guess it's also maybe they they kind of see the TAM in these niche marketplaces and. Uh, yep. Maybe there's like there's value in in focusing on, for example, secondhand resale clothing, like clothing resale. Like maybe there's a big they see that becoming a big market in this decade, I guess, because of the environmental impact and the consumer uh, consciousness about about the impact of uh, of clothing on on the planet. So maybe they want to get maybe, it. Maybe. Um, but yeah, no, I, I in in a sense, I do think it is more of a move to expand the TAM without necessarily yep. but we'll see I think over the next years whether how much value is added to that right because as I said the margins for these two businesses are lower than the core Etsy brand so it's actually diluting margin at the moment um, yep. so in, in a way there might be more runway if they can actually get it up to the to the quality of the Etsy the core Etsy brand yeah kind of start running it as well as they have as they, as well as they're running Etsy, then you know there's definitely margin upside and hopefully potentially um, you know revenue upside as well. Yeah, fair, fair. Um, I I think that that yeah, we'll see how the story plays out. Right, it it seems to be relatively early innings. Um, 
yeah. uh, even for a niche. Uh, yeah. But just in terms of, I guess, their, their GMS and you know, number mm-hmm. of buyers and earnings, so I think yeah. where, where a lot of e-com has, has come up uh, is that they, they all obviously experienced a big pull forward during COVID and, and that has kind of, and, and that tapers off, you know, with, with the hope of, and, and it essentially returns to trend, right? I think that that's what Shopify said in their last earnings. Um, they, yeah. it, it, it was a hump up and, and now they're back to a long-term trend. Yeah. Um, is that kind of the same for, for where Etsy has ended up? So, so there is some, you know, enduring gains from, from COVID or, you know, has, has that actually been, been even better or, or even? One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I mean, at the past couple of quarters, GMS has actually been kind of relatively flat. Um, so the mm-hmm. later quarter, it came in pretty flat year on year. Um, so at the moment, it seems to have held up, but. Etsy is quite a seasonal business, so they're traditionally their biggest quarter is in Q4, just because there's Christmas. the holiday season, Christmas, Thanksgiving. I guess a lot of a lot of holiday um, holidays in that quarter for people to buy goods. Um, mm-hmm. so they saw like a massive jump last uh, last year in the fourth quarter, right? I think okay. you know, growth really picked up but i think now that they're hitting the peak of 2021 now comps are like obviously a lot harder right so they've done okay in terms of being flat gms wise from q2 last year um for the for the company for the company uh now because i mean since 2015 they've grown gms by about five times um Mm -hmm. there was a big boost for, for for covid um and so they've guided that they expect you know that there, there's going to be macro pressure um it's no surprise i think you know they're not immune to, to, to any of these uh these headwinds such as yeah they, they're consumer discretionary yeah. right at the, end of the day. at the end of the day yeah and so they will be impacted and so uh you know management has been pretty upfront about that i think they've guided for pretty much um you know flattish flattish growth in in uh, q3 um, and they they've mentioned you know headwinds including you know the crisis in Ukraine, um, yep. geopolitical events, you know supply chains, logistics, etc. So everything that usual consumer discretionary names are, are coming up against. Um, and so they yeah, but that that's kind of odd, right? I mean, you know, it's hard to stretch from you know, the war in Ukraine to. A U.S. pure marketplace, right? Similarly, yeah. you know, if you are artisanal and and it's handmade, you know, yeah. supply chain issues in China and lockdown yeah. there shouldn't really concern you. Yeah, you know, you're not a dropshipper, right? Essentially, <laughs> so you know, th- yeah. that that seems to be a bit of a. I mean, I know everybody says it, but in, in this case, it seems to be a bit of a, a stretch. It does. It does. Uh, no, I mean, I, to be honest, I I don't think it's. I don't think to be fair to them, I don't think they highlighted that as like the key reason it was just in yep. a bunch of you know macro things like oh we you know retail store reopenings etc people going back yeah uh these are the headwinds and I, I feel like everyone now customarily has to just throw it in there you know you the yeah way- everybody is saying you know we, we have macro headwinds Every, yeah, right macro and, and that's it 
yeah, that's it. You, you, even if it has no impact whatsoever on the business, you, you've, got, you've got to say it. You've got to say it. So, so the crisis and the um, yeah, I mean, supply chains again. Like I, I, I don't know with the, with their business model. It's is it more the shipping? Is it are buyers finding it or sellers rather finding it hard to ship? Um, because they're not they're not a business that um, really prioritizes next day shipping or you know same day delivery like an Amazon, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of their sellers will probably maybe maybe delivery will take five days, maybe it'll take ten yep. days. So it's not one of those that's sensitive to time, um, and it doesn't really seem to bother people who buy on that site. I guess maybe because unless you need an item, I mean, I guess if you need. Uh, a pack of diapers for your kid you, you need it that day immediately yeah. right you're buying something or planning an artisanal good for something maybe you probably don't need it in the next two days or three days or you can live without it effectively um which again you know that that's that's an issue if we're heading into a recession <laughs> so yeah um, you know yeah but dude, i mean if if the main point of this is also gift giving that there yeah. is a deadline, right? Um, I mean, yeah. even if you're not a last-minute shopper, you know, you're, you're planning two, three weeks in advance. Yeah. There yeah. is a deadline, you know. So, <laughs> so I don't know. So I mean, I think there is there is the deadline in in that sense. But again, I guess it plays into the whole. I mean, management likes to play this whole thing up about how you know we're not, you know, we're we're in tune with the the, you know, the conscious capitalism psyche. We don't mm-hmm. think next day delivery is good for the environment and you don't need to put this on a plane, you know, I mean, you know, when you order from Amazon, yeah, now, yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll ship you something from the U S for free. Right. And it, and you can order something yep. for like 10 bucks and they'll ship it for you for free. That's probably not. Yeah. You can order a USB wire from the U S yeah. <laughs> they, they fly yeah. it over and you go, wow, yeah, it's amazing. Not environmentally friendly right? as a consumer. As a, <laughs> yeah. You're a consumer. So, so I think <laughs> that plays into the whole like, Oh, if you don't need it, it's fine. You know, it's only, We'll take, they'll take time to get to you, but it'll get to you in an environmentally like you know, appropriate way or whatever. So I think that's, <laughs> that's the way that they frame it as though like, Hey, we don't need yep. to invest in six because if you take the time to plan out birthdays or, you know, I don't know, events that you want to plan for, you'll be able to, you'll be able to uh, get it in time. Yeah, fair, um, fair. Actually, there's, you know, I think for me personally, I bought, what did I, I bought something for my older son's first birthday, which was actually mm-hmm. just. There was a book called, um, you know, oh, what was oh, what's the book called again? It's anyway, it, it's it's one of it's one of these popular children's books, and they have characters there, and you can you know you can buy birthday um, sort of uh, stickers and and things or, or or like signs, and so I bought that, and mm-hmm. you just you could pay like a few dollars and buy it on Etsy, and then they just do it digitally, and it's like hitting you know it's in high def or whatever, and you kind of they have different formats of it so you can put it as like placemats yep. or you can put it at whatever so actually etsy you know a lot of it can also be digital that you just get and you just receive and you can just pay whatever a few dollars and so there's a lot of physical goods as well but if it can be digitally delivered to you immediately then that's also um useful right so i think it's i, I didn't realize that until my wife told me about it i was like oh okay that's an interesting that was on etsy <laughs> Yeah, I was on Etsy, right? Is I was like trying to find this, and all the images that you're trying to find online were like all blurry and grainy, and it was like, oh yeah, yeah. you can't, like you can't, you know, it wasn't copyrighted, or it was copyrighted or whatever. So you have to buy it, and then you know, buy. It. I mean, there's people who are who are doing these designs, and there's some really funny designs. So you can always find something 
interesting even for kids you know kids birthday parties on on etsy so um so yeah that that was something that i found i found really funny because i i think i bought that like probably like three years ago or something for my son's first birthday um but it's yeah it's, it's just an example of the random interesting things you can find on the platform yeah um but but yeah but there are obviously that you know growth is been very very positive it's been good but management are guiding for this to adjust or normalize at a at a you know at the base level or potentially it could take yep. it if if um if the macro turns pretty ugly right i mean yeah they, so they, so how, how are they projecting right do, do they still see you know, maybe in the next one two quarters growth in in gms or, or growth in revenue yeah. or is it just it will be flat um at least for the foreseeable future until that the macro picks up i think i mean they're they're focusing in a bit more on um they're, they're focusing on on the gms guide for q3 mm-hmm. to down um in between okay like mid single to high single digits. So it would actually be in the region of 2.8 to 3 billion. Um, And they've looked at revenue guidance um, to be up though, like maybe around, uh, you know, low single digits, 1.4 to around 8%. Uh, So they've given a range 540 to 575. So even though GMS is down, obviously the take rates up. So revenue is slightly higher. Um, They they really are pushing those margins. (laughs) Yeah, they're pushing the margins, right? So I think that's what they want to show the investment community <laughs> clearly at this point in yeah. time and the you know the the EBITDA margin is guiding pretty much in line with what the street expects right it's around 26 okay. percent but they have they have said that depop and elo 7 will continue to be sort of dilutive right to, to etsy's uh, consolidated margin but but they made some moves in terms of placing some key people into the business um, so mm-hmm. the chief product officer from etsy um, a woman named Kruti uh, Patel Goyal. She's been chief product officer at Etsy for you know a good number of years, and she's moved into the CEO role at uh, Depop. So she'll be uh, relocating to London to help the business there. Kind of, you know, she's kind of come up with a lot of the ideas to push monetization on certain fronts uh, with Etsy ads or with placing, you know, specific um, products or, or linking civic buyers with sellers as well and so i think they're gonna she's gonna be a key part of trying to turn around margins at depop and try and yep. get that business performing in line with with you know the expectations when they uh, when they bought it yeah. um yeah so i guess then that no the, the financials are pretty much dead but just you know, the, the million dollar question right in yeah. terms of valuation i mean to yeah. me this, this seems to be the, one of those story stocks of 2020 2021 where every, it just boomed it went crazy you know and and now it's probably gone the other way down right? yeah yeah um is, is that about right how, how do you see yeah. that valuation think, um, whether on a relative or absolute basis i mean I think on a valuation basis, it got obviously way ahead of itself. Um, I mean, so far this year, it's down, it's been cut in half. It's like down 50%, right? Um, but I think it was, you know, trading at a price to earnings of like, you know, over a hundred or something. So it was like crazy. Okay. Um, and it's down to about 37, like still, still expensive, I guess, uh, in this environment. But obviously expectations and valuations, everything's been reset in terms of what the market wants see what the market is looking for so even though they reported earnings that were you know that came in and they actually reported earnings that came in a bit better than expected so any 
anything that even comes in a bit better than expected nowadays is is usually uh, rewarded good uh, sure. <laughs> yeah that's yeah, good and and actually having cash and operating cash flow and free cash flow and actual actual income net income is is, is also rewarded so i think even though they're down 50 percent, they're nowhere near as bad as some of these other tech stocks which have been whacked like you know 80 percent or 70 percent 80 percent um yeah so far you know in 2022 so but in terms of it it's off around 66 like two-thirds i think it got as high as 300 at one point at the peak right so it is it is off a, a really big amount um in terms of <laughs> in terms of it's where it was yeah it is it is all-time high um uh but I, I think the business is pretty compelling on a longer term basis just mm -hmm. the, the model um i like the fact that they're not invested in capex and not invested in the in the yeah. in the in the logistics space and, and it doesn't sound like they have any intention to get into it i know shopify said they didn't want to and then shopify you know reverse 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 course yeah. and then going to and it's like okay um so you know i, I think for shareholders it's a pretty predictable uh, business model. It's it's not too mm -hmm. difficult to understand what they do. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty cash generative. Um, it produces you know pretty tidy sums of operating cash flow and free cash flow. Um, but it's more about execution and margins. And so so that's something that you have to watch with this business. You know they they acquire. Yep. Uh, two brands, and so I, I'm kind of keen to see how they integrate them over the next couple of years, and and see what growth comes out of those those brands as well. Yeah, yeah, fair. Um, okay, yeah, I think that that sounds about right. Uh, it, it, it's a story that, and I think that frankly, I think that there's quite a bit of challenges there, as you can tell from my questioning. Um, you know, so so we won't go through that again. But one kind of less, you know question right you know, yeah. you know i think that there's been a lot of focus around uh, these are artisanal they are special they're they individualized yeah. and all that but that just brings to mind the question of skill right um yeah by pretty much by definition you no know, these are not going to scale so you know etsy will either have to find more and more sellers um but there's only yeah. that many ways you can make a necklace or, or you know individualized yeah. products or or find more buyers and you know expand into different geographical markets which they they seem yeah. to be doing but you know probably not not fast enough right especially if yeah. they are not not doing logistics and, and i think you know uh related to to that whole as artisanal point it's also if you are when you're buying these products the the purchase experience is part of it right you know you, you want to meet the not not meet the maker because that just sounds wrong but you you want to meet the producer you know of the goods you want to know their story you want to you know feel like you're contributing back to your local community right that there's all those other you know, positive connotations to to buying artisanal in that sense yeah right um which is why they, they can charge a markup so yeah. you know it, it then that just seems to be that connection that that you can't really get through a marketplace yeah i i guess you know, that, especially an online one no that's like a good point actually i mean that's one i guess one maybe um threat to the business right would be it's growing i mean it always puts itself as like on the side of the little person like the, the artisanal yep. you know and it's more about the community and we're a community of sellers and we're a community of buyers but then if you're a community of like 500 million sellers, eventually like that doesn't seem like a very small like community, right? Yeah. It doesn't seem like very personal. So, <laughs> and then you're taking a whatever take rate. And so, so I think as they scale and as they become more profitable, then there's probably going to be more of a 
a, a lash, you know, a, I guess, a, yeah, like a backlash, that's the word I was thinking about, a backlash against this kind of business that claims to be for the little sort of business owner, and yet is obviously increasing margins and, and doing more, you know, taking more of, the, of, of every dollar of every GMS. So it, it becomes a bit more of a conflicting story of this is a business that is niche but then it's becoming yep. more mass market in a sense so like, like that, I, that, that's yeah. always a problem with that's niches problem. right you, yeah. you, you either expand it yeah. and and you are no longer niche in so which case you lose if, a selling if point they can, if they can successfully manage that narrative then i'll be very i mean i'll be very impressed with it's it's almost like you know luxury brands saying this is super luxury and super um you know, only for a few people and it being like mass market, like LV, right? Yeah. They've managed, mass market luxury. Yeah, mass market luxury and they've managed to sell it and make it, make it an aspirational item that only a few people have, but it's still it's everywhere. Um, so if they can manage... It'll be challenging for a marketplace. Yeah, it's challenging for a marketplace because it's not as um, visible, you're right, as, as being like in your face as a, as a luxury brand. But I think, you know, Josh Silverman has been the CEO since... Uh, sort of like 2016, 17, you know, he's done really well. He's pretty mm-hmm. professional. I think he used to be CEO of like Skype and he sold one of his businesses to eBay back in the day, um, one of his uh, e-commerce business to eBay. So he's got experience in, in the space. He's been pretty good steward of the company over the past five, six years. Uh, growth has been pretty, um, obviously got a massive, massive bump up um, during the pandemic, but even before that, it was performing performing quite well. Um, yeah. But you know, we, we, you know, bringing a growth name here, it's it's more of a, a challenge in this time. I understand, <laughs> but I, I do actually quite like the, I do actually quite like the business on the whole for a, for an e-commerce name that's profitable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I I think it's it's a nice you know e-commerce name. I you know I, I just worry that if, if it's going to be seen as a growth story right especially with you know that, that self-proclaimed uh, that, that that huge tam um, that yeah. which they have a very small part of you know i mean that's not a tam for a niche marketplace right that's a tam yeah. for you know a global you know marketplace and and that is kind of yeah. the, the key concern uh, just you know, by english right it, it's just yeah and all with each other so so we'll see we'll see um it, it just seems it just seemed kind of odd to me in, in terms of how they position themselves. Yeah. Um, cool. Sorry. Then you you were just sorry. One one last thing. You, you were just mentioning about the the CEO. He he's not the founder, right? He he's oh, um, kind of lateral in two thousand five, but he took over in two thousand sixteen because there was a I think an activist investor and took a stake in mm-hmm. two thousand sixteen, and there was some demanded some changes uh, for the for the business and. Um, he was installed. I think he was on the board. He was on the board at the time, so he was installed as CEO. Yeah. So he's um, he's nice. been there. Yeah. For you just for, need an activist to shake it up. <laughs> yeah, he's an activist investor, and and you know I think it's done okay. It's it's. I mean, obviously it's yeah. come down high, but it IPO'd at what sixteen dollars, and it's it's at a hundred something now. So even if um, you know even if you were bought in the early years, you've probably done you've probably done okay. Yeah, true, yeah. true. Yeah. Right. Um, as long as you have, yeah, as long as you do not buy in the last two years, you're probably yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> as with all growth stocks. So. <laughs> I think that, that that's pretty much the takeaway now. That's pretty much the story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you bought when when it IPO'd, you did well. If you bought last cool. year, the people did not do well. Um. Yeah. 
so still a better investment than Twitter, I must say. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Twitter, yeah. I mean, what's up? I feel like Twitter's, it's always been a stock or it's been a company that's always been in the public's, you know, in the public eye, but it's just a terrible investment. It's always been a terrible investment. Yeah. It's, it's a turnaround stock that never turned around, right? Never Which is around, terrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cool. So I think that that's pretty much covers Etsy, right? Did you, yeah. anything else you'd like to add or anything I think I missed or we want to you know dive a bit deeper on before I kind of let you go? Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, no, I don't think so. I think, you know, I think I covered, covered everything. I mean, yeah, obviously I think the consumer discretionary names will, will, will suffer. Um, yeah, I mean, that's something that I, I mentioned. It's, it's, it's a story that I believe in sort of longer term, but mm-hmm. if you have a recession or an impending recession, you know, companies that rely on consumer discretionary spending, but then also on sole proprietorships and, and small businesses, like they're probably going to be impacted quite a bit. So it's something that you will, yeah, you, you'll have to, to monitor and, and, and believe in, I think, long term, especially with the environment we're currently yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think e-commerce is, is probably a long term winner, but you know, who, who wins yeah. within e-commerce, um, especially with SMB yeah. sellers is it's probably going to be a question, right? I mean, everybody's after right. them. There's Shopify, there's you know, Amazon, there's Facebook Marketplace. It's just you know, a hot battleground there. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Cool. Thanks for that. That, that, was, actually, that yeah. was very useful, actually. Um, my, my only experience with, with Etsy has been you know, trying to get something shipped from, from the US and seeing it took 15 business days and went, ah, I can't be bothered with this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so good to learn more about the company. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it was good. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. Hopefully, the listeners, you know, found uh, found this insightful and interesting. Because, um, yeah, it's not a brand that we see much in Singapore, really, in, in yeah. front of us. So, but in the US, I think it's part of the you know, the cultural fiber there. Everyone's kind of aware of of, of Etsy and, and buying things online. So, um, it's uh, it's made a name for itself over the past sort of like decade or so. Cool, great. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time. I hope you have a yeah, good evening. And coconuts, if any questions, you know, just reach out on Telegram and we'll send them to Tim because I'm not going to be able to answer them. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to take All it. All right. Take care. Bye. Hey, coconuts. So I hope you learned something useful today. Definitely recognize that investing is a personal decision. We are not giving you recommendations here, but are always happy to geek out with you about different interesting companies and trends for the future. This series definitely has a lot more depth than terms, and we want you to tell us what stock to analyze. So if you have any feedback or ideas, do drop us a line through our socials or email us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. See you in our next episode.